Amber, what are you drinking today? Well, Amanda, I am drinking Bush Light in a limited edition orange can because of hunting season, I guess. That's we're all our guest is also in Alaska today, so that's very appropriate. So appropriate. Yeah. Uh, What are you drinking, Amanda? Tonight I am just drinking a glass of white Zinfandel. Simple and plain. We're both pretty simple tonight. Yeah, I thought I'd go classy today. I'm kind of, I'm proud of us. Yeah, we're doing well already. Welcome to this bonus episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member can be easy, but being a veteran can be hard. Today, we are taking a moment to spend some time with a very special father. We would like to welcome Mr. Alan Shepard. Hey, Alan. I'm drinking Coke. <laughs> Absolutely. Alan is the father of Naval Seaman C.L. Shepard, who served on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt. You already told us you were drinking Coke today. How are you doing? Uh, you know, it's... Uh, Every day is a new wave to ride. Yeah, one day at a time sometimes. And sometimes that's all you have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Alan, can you tell us about your son and what life was like for him growing up in Alaska? Well, you know, Sealth was uh, a pretty rambunctious little guy. He was, uh, he picked up very young fishing, and uh, I love to fish. So I I took Sealth when he was young, and we spent many, many a days on the Kenai River and uh, lakes around the Kenai area. And so I would say that Sealth was more than just an outdoorsman. He was born and bred to do this. Sealth was born and raised right, right here in Alaska in the interior of Fairbanks. 1997. He just wanted to spend his time out doing what he liked to do, and he loved to fish and hunt. That's amazing. And that's such an appropriate place to have those kind of passions. Alaska is like the perfect place for hunting and fishing. Yeah. For sure it is. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they make shows about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. So he ultimately decided to join the Navy. And to the best of your knowledge, do you know why he chose to join the Navy? And then also why he chose to go into the field of being a seaman that he chose to go into? I think CL just wanted to see the world. He wanted to see something outside of Alaska. He never, um, he never, as kids, they, my kids never got to travel a lot. Our vacations were pretty much set in Alaska. And he wanted to just kind of be that small town kid who got out and, and did big things. And, and the Navy just opened many, many doors for him because he was kind of up in the air, the Army or the Navy. But my brother was, um, was uh, stationed with the Fight and 40 there on North Island in San Diego. He was a CB. So my son was headed that same route. That's Great that he had someone to look up to and kind of guide him into the path that he wanted to go into. Do you know why he chose to just go as he was an undesignated seaman, correct? He was. He, he, uh, when he went in, he thought he was going to go in and fuel planes and he had a medical issue while he was in basic and they held him back and they were trying to separate him from the Navy and he got a waiver and went through and 
the only way I guess the the waiver would work is if he just chose to go wherever they sent him. Yeah. And so he ended up a fleet guy as a uh, Bozeman's mate on the Theodore Roosevelt. That's a big ship. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) They have quite the deck department out on those ships. Yes, they do. I actually got to go and, and walk on the Roosevelt after he passed away. And they have a crane painted with my son's name on it. Wow. Yeah, for the Bozeman's mates to see. Yeah, it's really neat. That's a nice tribute. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's really cool. So since we just talked a little bit about how your son has passed, can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Sure. I got a phone call from my son, uh, I would say sometime in November. And he was just definitely not himself. He was crying. He said, Dad, I can't take it. I need help. And and I tried to get my son to go AWOL so he could go get help because he had went and asked for help from some of the guys that were over him, and they refused to help him. Now, he was told that if it ever happened again, and he didn't go through with it, that that they would take him to Mast. On December 25th, 2019, I got a call from my son's roommate. And all he kept saying is, there's something wrong with CL. I don't think he's okay. I said, I want to talk to somebody who can tell me, is my son alive? And he handed the phone to a, a lieutenant. And the lieutenant just said, sir, I'm so sorry. Your son is deceased. And later I found out that my son took a leather belt and wrapped it up in his closet and hung himself. And I think at at, at this point in everything that I go through, it's been very hard for me to face it. I... It's a loneliness that you you never really get over. You you I mean I, I don't want to say you don't have good days, but good days don't look like what they used to. To know that my son could have been helped, that this was something we could have stopped, is is I think the biggest portion of what drives me the craziest about having a, a, a soldier or sailor commit suicide yeah because this wasn't such a bad i mean this wasn't like it came out of nowhere like he reached out and he tried to get help we need to do better yeah yeah and and the one thing i am not i i I would not ever make a statement that says the navy is a bit is bad I, i would never do that i love the navy generations of family in the navy and what I would say is, you know, a, l- a little research and you look back and there's a lot of it going on in certain places and we need to know why. What What is happening that's causing these young men and women to feel like that's the end right there? What, what is going on? And it seems like the more you want to know, the more they just run you into corners. Yeah. Especially because this is happening on active duty. So it's not just our veterans anymore. It's happening more and more to our active duty soldiers and sailors and airmen. 
And so you're right. We need to start looking into and finding out like why it's happening to our next generation that is so young and just starting out and what is going wrong in the way that we're handling things within the service, not just out of the service that is causing them to have these feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, just kind of to update you, I think two months ago, another one on the Theodore Roosevelt. And now that young man's father is reaching out to me, asking me to talk to him. There's a lot of that going on with folks who have had kids on that ship. It seems that we all kind of draw together and the same conclusions are coming from everybody is what is really going on that's making this like that. Right. Right. Because it's been several years since I've been on the boat, but that was my family. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing your story is really, really hard for me to wrap my head around how these, this chain of command didn't look out for him like they were his family. Because when I was out to sea, we, we had a few issues like that and we went leaps and bounds to make sure that they were okay. No matter what we had to do, like the mission was no longer important at that point. It was about saving our sailors lives. Right. Right. And so where, where did it go sideways to where that's not a priority anymore? Right. And, and, and I'll tell you that in, in some, for instances, of some of the things I've seen, you know, I, I'm not saying that, that all of this stuff is bad, but I think that we're still having some hazing issues going on with some of this. There is the, um, we all know about the good old boys club. If you're in the good old boys club, you know, things are real smooth for you. You know, I mean, this is a kid that I I keep telling myself, man, he had, he had a life before all this happened and so many places we can go to get help. But if we don't ask, then we're never going to know where to go. Right. And I think this stigma that the military has, you're weak if you go get help is just, it's something we need to, we need to put an end to. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Cause it took me 10 years to say that I needed help. And, and, and you know, and there was a lot of hardships in that 10 year period. So uh-huh. my, my son came to me, but the way that I tried to, to go about helping him, I think it was a lot of, I, I I'm, I'm a proud sailor and real sailors don't do that. And I tried to get him to go AWOL. Yeah and go to a hospital, but he absolutely would not do it, but broke down on the phone and just cried for like an hour. And he just says, I, I just don't know what else to do, dad. And, and, and that's, I think part of the reason that we're where we're at today. Yeah. You know, I think there's something definitely not okay with the command on that ship. It is way too often they sweep so much of it under the rug so the public don't know. Do you know if you go look in the paper, you will never find an obituary about my son. Yeah, that's true because I looked for one. Yeah, but a kid who they say right now, they're telling me that he shot himself while he was on watch. Two days after he was dead, the Navy Times did an article on him. And I don't get that. Why would you hide one but not the other one? That doesn't make sense. I know from dealing with parents of, of kids who have done this from that same ship, there's been 
numerous suicides on that ship that we never hear about. It's got to be better. Like, we yes, it does. Be better. And I'm not, I'm not sure what that way is, except for what Amber and I are doing right now. But yeah, but we've got to do better. And, and I think that really does give people a platform to stand off on and be able to look out and say, "Hey, look, you know what? If these people can do it, so can I." Right. And and I I figure it like this, you know, people get on TikTok and they go to their page and they go, "Oh, I I got a million views." A million people, my fans, have watched my stuff. Well, I don't care if you watch me, but but what I care about is moving that message. Yeah, we as a people can end the twenty-two a day. Absolutely. But we absolutely have to put everything we have into it. I did an interview with a young high school student, and he said, "What's it take to end this?" And I said somebody willing to put their last breath to it. And that's where I'm at. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I am going to help veterans and I am going to see a day that I know because of all of us, it's going to end. And it's so important that we all just kind of take that same path. Yes. Just keep building this community of people that want to be a part of making the change, not just bringing awareness, but actually providing a change for the future of both our active duty and our veterans service members. Yeah. That's a big part of what it's going to take. So that's what we're here to try to do. That's what you're here to try to do. That's sure. We're all, we're all right there. So, you know, that's pretty much what I tell those guys when I take them out fishing. I basically, I'm just the arranger of the place. Yeah. When I get you guys there, obviously, you know, I don't sit around and, and, and really shoot the shit too much with those guys. I brought them there so they could be with each other, yeah. not with me. And to watch what that has done for people that I know right before my first meet that we had and got together and went fishing, this one dude hadn't been out of his house in six months. And I got him to come back a second time. That's amazing. And I said, I cannot let this program fall. And the next thing I'm getting sued by another vet company saying that, that my name's too close to their name. Oh, geez. Yeah, so now I get to start all over again. Man, that so yeah, that's hard. It it really makes it hard to raise the money because we're trying to get to where we're a nonprofit up here, so we can provide a better service for all veterans and and active duty guys, and kind of partner with other companies that work with veterans up here. Yeah, like we we should all be working together, not fighting against each other. Yeah, no, and there's, there are, you know, I have kind of bumped with people that absolutely will not have nothing to do with me. That's crazy. Because I'm not a vet, but I, I will tell you, they're right. I, I'm not a veteran of the military. I spent 20, 27 years as a firefighter, two years as a cop. When I left there, I left there because I got kicked out on a medical. I just yeah. had enough, couldn't do it anymore. And so I kind of feel like I've, I've paid my dues on that side of it. But I kind of grew up in a house that was kind of like that guy you were talking about. My dad was a Vietnam veteran. Oh my God, I ended up with more problems than I, I, I knew what to do with. And I think some of that stuff carried over to my kids as well. I, I think a lot of parents don't get that. And I think a lot of vets don't, don't know that that stuff moves through family members. You, you're around it long enough, you start picking those traits up too. 
Yeah. And so now you have, you know, kids that are running around undiagnosed PTSD because they grew up in a household with a combat veteran. And we don't know why when we get mad, we want to choke people to death, but that's what my dad did. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very important that... Because they don't give it, us the tools to know how to deal with that... Right. That aggression when we come out, because when we're in, it's all aggression. Like, you're... And they put you through... I think we were just talking about this, Amber, on a previous podcast, where they put you through boot to teach you how to be a sailor or a soldier or an airman. And then they give you a two-day class on how to write a resume and send you back out into the world where you yeah, almost how to write a resume, how yeah. to get a job. Yeah. You almost need how to get a job whole, on paper. Right. <laughs> you almost need a whole another <laughs> boot camp to transition you from being in the military to being in the civilian world. Because yeah. we get out and we don't know how to deal with the emotions that we're no longer allowed to have. And because they're hard and they're rough and they're scary. And yeah. Yeah scary for everyone that we interact with and they don't understand and we don't understand why they don't understand. And we're not, we're not finding that mesh in the middle to where we easily blend back into society. Sure. So it's, and we see that a lot up here. Yeah. We see veterans getting out of the military and they run and they move into the bush and that's it. And it's, you know, trespassing signs everywhere. Don't bother that guy. Yeah. And that's because those guys are coming out of the woods now. Yeah. Because they never knew how to deal with that stuff when they came out. And, uh, and it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I can remember even as a kid, my dad, the first time he went to the bat center and I remember him just crying and I couldn't understand because I never really seen my dad cry and, and I couldn't get what was wrong. And finally, one day my mom told me, do you know what we go there for? And I said, no, not really. And and she said, Alan, your your dad's trying to deal with what he did in Vietnam. Yeah. And he ain't never come home. And I was like, what? I didn't understand any of it. But, you know, I, I tried to, to understand that my dad wasn't the same guy he was when he left. And and I've seen this even in my own friends who have had to go over. Um, they are not the same people when they come home. My son was not the same the first time he went out on a, on a ship cruise. When he came back, he was a different young man. And I think it's very important that we have to start putting notice to the people who are responsible for these young men and women. They need to be uh, put on notice that it's time that we quit ignoring a problem that turned into an epidemic now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not getting any better. No, it surely is not. It used to just be, like, in our brains, it used to just be the old guys, like, the old timers. Like, they, Vietnam, like, they saw some shit, like, whatever. And now it's, these younger guys are seeing the same stuff, just in a different environment, because Iraq and Afghanistan is not a pretty place, and it hasn't been in years. And they're going over there, and they're seeing that stuff, even if they're not directly involved, they're still part of it. And it's, it trickles down, and it trickles down, and now, like, it's not just the old timers anymore. It's the middle agers. It's the younger guys. It's the brand new generations and the military. I don't want to say soft, but we feel like it's like boot is not as harsh as it used to be because boot would used to be harsh. Like you can't handle boot. You couldn't handle war. And so they, instead of maintaining that they've softened boot. And so now we're sending these young men and women over there that don't know 
the harsh realities before they get there. And that, yeah, right. And that's even harder than knowing what you're getting into when you go over there because they're not as much as we say we need to be conditioned to come back into civilian world. I don't feel like our young sailors and soldiers and airmen are being conditioned to go over into that harsh world anymore. Right. Right. And I I agree totally with that. I feel like that's a part of the problem too, is that they've softened boot to be more politically correct. But so now these young men and women aren't learning the harsh realities of war before they get out of boot and have to go over there and fight for their lives. Right. Like yeah, this is really a sad situation. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> you know, I hate even saying this, but I'm kind of looking at some sort of public speaking, not to politic for a position, but to politic for a position for the 22 a day. Yeah. And, and really going to force my issue because you know, I, I did not know how many kids from Alaska have committed suicide. Yeah. And it, it's too much. It's, uh, you know, the sad thing is, is my son's gone, but the Navy still uses an article they wrote about him to recruit kids from Alaska. And I'm just like, wow, dude, I mean, there's no respect in any of this. And, and I think it's time that uh, we, we quit overlooking mental health issues before kids are trying to get into the military you know you have so many recruiters now this is back when I tried to go in I was going to go in and my ex-wife put the screws to it but I had a little slip of paper that said um this guy has some mental health issues and my recruiter grabbed those papers in a in the original file and ran them right through a paper shredder that problem was no longer a problem the unfortunate is I'm trying to find out right now if my son's recruiter did that for him because there's no way he's going to be able to hide it. And I just got told that my son took that paperwork to him and he should have been disqualified to go into the Navy right there under he's mentally not capable of, of, of dealing with this. You know, I, I, I kind of explained to you, my kids had a pretty rough life. I was a single dad with four kids. I found out that my son had FAS. He had, he had holes in his brain. My question is this, how in the world do you take a kid who's mentally unstable to begin with and make it okay for him to go into the military? And and the only two answers that I've been able to give myself is one, somebody's lying, or two, a whole bunch of somebody's are lying. So yeah, I want to see all that stuff in and, and, you know, hopefully one day it will happen. Yeah. Yeah. All we can do is keep fighting. Yep, that's it. Just keep fighting. Small steps turn into big steps. Yes, they do. Yeah. So do you have any advice that you can put out there for anyone that is in your similar position, whether they lost a family member on active duty or even after they got out and became a veteran, if, if they lost someone to the battle 22, what kind of advice after you living with it for a year and being the activist for the veteran community that you have become, what would you tell those people? Uh, You know, I would tell them right off. First of all, don't, don't try to fix yourself in, in this first year, grieve your loss, 
Don't try to explain yourself or any of your feelings to anybody else. It's none of their business. And, and I'm not trying to be harsh about this, but, but folks realize if you haven't lost a kid to, to the 22 a, a day, it's different than losing your kid in combat. I mean, it's um, definitely something that you do not want to put in a box in the back of your head and try to forget it. You need to immediately recognize that you yourself now are in a mental health crisis. And don't be afraid to talk to people. I found through my Navy Gold Star Dad deal on, on TikTok, being able to tell my son's story, no matter how much it hurts, is, has been the greatest gift that I could give to anybody. And knowing that every time I make a move forward in this, that, that my son's still here and he's still moving with us. Yeah. He's a, being an advocate right along with you. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's really great advice. And it's, it's not something that I would have thought of. So I'm glad that you were able to share that with us. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All I try to do every day is just get out of bed. If I can do one thing, if I can make it to the shower, honestly, I'm telling you this, I feel like I've achieved something that day. Yeah. That's sometimes that's all you can do. Yeah. It's just wake up and move. If our listeners wanted to continue this conversation with you or if they had questions or if they just needed an ear, where can they find you? They can find me on TikTok at Navy Gold Star Dad and no spaces, just crunch it all together. Leave me a message. Um, I try to do live stuff, but other than that, I give people my phone number, my, my, my home phone number. More than welcome to call me. It's uh, 907-390-7052, and I'll take a call from anybody who needs to talk. That's amazing. So if you guys would like to contact Alan, you can contact him at those locations. I'll also leave his contact information in the show notes of this episode. If you would like to contact Amber or myself, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Veterans Drinking Vodka, or you can email us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Please reach out to Amanda or myself if you are interested in sharing your story on our podcast or if you just need someone to talk to. And like Amanda said, we can be found on any of the social media platforms. Just send us a DM or send us an email at the Gmail. If you like our podcast and you like what we're doing, you can subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or Amazon. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. We accept your constructive criticism, good, bad, ugly, and different. Help us to be better. Alan, thank you so much for joining us and telling us your son's story. It means the world to Amber and I, and I I know it's going to mean the world to all of our listeners out there. Thank you so very much for, for letting me tell my son's story. Yeah. So the reason Amanda and I are started doing this and why we will continue to do this is to bring about mental health awareness in veterans and the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day and that number is going to completely be unacceptable 22 is 22 too many one is too many 
And you are never alone. That's Drinking Vodka. Cheers. Cheers.